welcome to the Arizona Society of CPAs podcast. This is Ryan Demena with Demena Public Affairs, and uh, Demena Public Affairs represents the Arizona Society of CPAs. And the Society of CPAs, amongst a number of issues, has been closely watching what's been happening at the state level with respect to the Wayfair decision. Uh, there was some recent legislation, House Bill 2757, passed in the 2019 legislative session that was effectively like the floodgates opening on a few long-awaited issues, and that includes conformity, which we'll talk about more at a later date, but included the statutory framework uh, for the Wayfair decision as well. A lot of the implementation, if not all of the implementation, really fell on the Department of Revenue. And so with that in mind, um, we're here to talk with uh, some folks at the Department of Revenue about Wayfair, what's presently being done at the Department of Revenue, um, and maybe some of the deadlines and a few of the dates that we need to be aware of that are, that are rapidly approaching. So with that, um, I'd like to introduce Dr. Grant Nula with the Department of Revenue. Hello. Dr. Nula serves as the Deputy Director of the Arizona Department of Revenue. And so Dr. Nula, if you could take just a minute, tell us a little bit about what you do here at the department, maybe a little background on Wayfair and the process that got us where we are today. Great, yeah, so as you said, uh, Deputy Director at the Department of Revenue. Um, I have two, two main divisions that report to me, Taxpayer Services, which uh, encompasses all of your uh, frontline staff in terms of phone calls being received by the department, uh, licensing, and just general customer service, as well as, um, the tax attorneys and, and others that provide uh, support here at the department. And additionally, I have the uh, education and compliance division that reports to me, and that's really principally outreach. And we see this, this event, and we very much appreciate uh, being able to uh, participate in these, in these uh, podcasts as an outreach event. But outreach, uh, then collections, our audit activities, and then even uh, tax fraud mitigation so at a very high level and with respect to the Wayfair decision it really covers both activities that occur in both of those divisions and so what is Wayfair well really um, the it stems from a decision uh, in July or excuse me June 2018 where the US Supreme Court uh, took up the question as to whether um, states could or could not impose um, sales tax obligations on sales occurring within their state that are conducted by entities that have no physical presence in their state. And the Supreme Court ruled by a 5-4 majority that if you lack physical presence in the state, you, but nevertheless meet a, in South Dakota's case, a $100,000 and 200 transaction sales threshold, you are now required or that business is now required uh, to collect and file and remit taxes with with the state of South Dakota and the US Supreme Court said yes that's that is that is constitutional and what in effect that did is um, negated a ruling uh, 30 years prior which originated in North Dakota um, uh, quill versus versus North Dakota whereby that established that physical physical presence test. So the physical presence test is now gone with the Wayfair decision. And what has happened in the aftermath is that many states have gone about developing 
uh, uh, tax regimes or laws more specifically around taxing what we call uh, remote sellers, people online sales that are or uh, that occur within their state when even when they lack physical presence, as well as an a related but it wasn't addressed specifically in the Supreme Court decision with respect to third party uh, facili facilitated sales. You think of an, a platform like Amazon where they uh, sell not only on their platform their own products, but they sell the products of others. And so as states have moved to enact remote seller, and I'll call it marketplace facilitator legislation, Arizona took up this issue uh, this past legislative session and House Bill 2757 laid out the very specific rules with, with respect to how the taxation of remote sellers and marketplace facilitators will work. I think that's a perfect overview. And I, I, my takeaway from that truly is that this is absolutely very complicated stuff. Um, it is, you know, we say a lot in the office, government and IT, the two don't typically work well together. And this is a very IT driven exercise with respect to bringing Wayfair online. Um, and as I mentioned at the onset, you know, this is sort of the floodgates opening because House Bill 2757 not only resolved Wayfair, but also treated with the conformity legislation that a lot of our listeners will have been waiting on. Um, but so the process that brought us 2757, I just want to touch on that again briefly, which is that you've had a number of major stakeholders in the room who want to make sure that this is being done correctly whether you're a marketplace facilitator, meaning like an Amazon, whether you're a local municipality, ensuring that that tax revenue flows where it should. I mean, there, it is a multi-layered process, and I think that's putting it mildly. It is, and indeed it is. Um, limitations that the, or the criteria that the Supreme Court set was not retroactive in nature. Secondly, that it had explicit thresholds, $100,000 or 200 transactions in the case of South Dakota. Third, that it does not create an undue burden. And fourth, that South Dakota is a member of the Streamlined Sales Tax Agreement, which is an agreement among roughly 23 states that has uniform definitions and treatment of sales tax transactions. Arizona is not a part of the Streamlined Sales Tax Agreement. In fact, many other states and large states to, uh, to that, many large states to that point are not streamlined members. But all four of those criteria that I've talked about are still subject to further litigation, plus there's the prospect of congressional action. And all of this, these constitutional issues, this possible federal action, all is occurring or sort of in the background as each state then works through its implementation of its its own set of laws. So it's effectively, what I'm hearing is this massive overlay, like we mentioned, that you have to sort of navigate through. It's not really like there are parallel tracks that are being implemented all at the same time. All of this is occurring really on top of one another and at once. You have the federal overlay, the state overlay, you have local municipalities, and then of course the department has to produce rules and regs based on their interpretation of those laws and all of this, again, could be upended through additional litigation. That, that's correct. It could be upended through litigation. It could be up, uh, upended through congressional action. It could be 
modified by this coming legislative session. There may be items that they want to clean up or tweak or make adjustment make adjustments to that will also affect execution of these of these laws. So more to come. <laughs> more to come to be sure. And with all that being said, our the main point that the department is focused on is execution of the law that we have. We know that all these other things are occurring in the background. Our main task as a executive branch agency is to implement uh, this law in a technically sound and administratively feasible way. And so what are the things that we're working on um, right now? One is just setting the framework, following the laws written, and what is the framework? What exactly is a remote seller? What exactly is a marketplace facilitator? What thresholds apply? And what, and what happens to you if you're not a marketplace facilitator or a remote seller? Do your circumstances change? So each, each one of those is really sort of our first step in the process is just making sure that we've got the depth, we understand and we can communicate properly those definitions. Once we've done that, the next step as many other states have done, is we have to uh, contact or reach out to those businesses that we think may qualify as a remote seller or a marketplace facilitator. So the department's been working diligently through lots of third-party research to ascertain who sells into, likely sells into Arizona that meet those dollar thresholds. Arizona has no transaction threshold. So like, like I mentioned earlier, South Dakota, it's 200 transactions or more would also trigger what, what they call economic nexus. Arizona, with a great deal of foresight by policymakers, nixed that provision is just simply a dollar threshold that is used for economic nexus purposes. We go out, so we identify, we, dra- we develop letters, and then send out letters across the nation to sellers, both remote sellers and marketplace facilitators that we think meet the, um, the thresholds, communicate to them what they are and follow up. If we get no response, certainly follow up with them and really just work with them to help them understand whether or not they have that obligation or not. So that kind of gets to our second point of ex. That was our second point of execution. Our third point of execution is in that letter pointing them to a website where they can learn more about Arizona's law. A letter can only capture so so much information, but our website that we that we'd redone a little over a year ago, we've also built out very specific pages that deal with everything with respect to implementation of this law, from what again definitions to frequently asked questions to the liability relief that's provided in these in these laws and points of contact within the department. And I'll get to it a bit in a moment. The dedicated team that we have to work specific questions. And so what I'm hearing, Dr. Nula, is that effectively the first three steps in the process are under the definitions that are out there, identify who we believe qualifies under the Wayfair structure, uh, reach out to these folks because they may or may not have an obligation under the new statutory framework, and the last is send them to the website. They need to know where to go to get this information so they're absolutely certain whether or not they do qualify as a marketplace seller. One of my favorite terms that we use actually at the Domena office is the term operationalize. And you've touched a little bit on implementation at the department's end, but typically 
one of the major items that I think is consistently overlooked in Arizona's legislative process uh, is that really how do you operationalize a specific piece of legislation? And I think in this case, when it comes to Wayfair, man alive, you have a lot that needs to be operationalized under Wayfair. And so I guess, could you talk a little bit about some of the implementation efforts uh, that are currently going on at the department? Sure, those, those are really great questions. So I've talked about those first three steps and, and what really comes next and what's been happening behind, behind the scenes once this law was signed is really how do we, once we reach out, it, send them to our website once, once it's built out, how do they get licensed and registered with us? And so what we've been doing in the last several months is developing a separate license application specifically for remote sellers and marketplace facilitators. You think about the department's existing transaction privilege tax license, it's not just a TPT license, we call it a joint application because it also covers withholding tax and unemployment insurance tax. Obviously, if you're an out-of-state, um, most likely online seller, you don't, need, you don't have employees in the state and you don't need to file unemployment insurance. So what we've done is stripped out those pieces and, and basically created a license application that captures the most salient information we need from a remote seller or marketplace facilitator. So I think the TPT application currently is four pages long. We've slimmed this one down to one page to capture everything that we need. And we think, think based on our timing, it's about three to five minutes to fill out online. And we've also built a wizard on our aztaxes.gov. That's where you go, as many of your listeners know, where you go to um, apply for a license with the department. Once you've obtained a username and password and you get into the system, we actually have created a wizard that will be launching in early September once we open up for licensing and registration of remote sellers and marketplace facilitators. Do I even need a license? And asks seven very simple questions to help you navigate to one of four answers. I need a TPT license because I'm a traditional Arizona-based seller. I have physical nexus in this state versus I am a marketplace facilitator why I'm a remote seller, or it could very well be based on how one answers the seven questions, I have no need for a TPT license whatsoever. And we think that would be a very helpful addition. While it's specifically with respect to remote seller and marketplace facilitator legislation, we thought building this wizard would be very helpful for any taxpayer to use to get registered in AZ taxes. That's amazing. And so, and as all, all that is happening behind the scenes, we probably have one out of every seven department employees engaged on this project right now. And we're very grateful to uh, the legislature, the policymakers, anyone that was involved in creating this to give us $2 million in appropriation to go about executing this. Because what we've done is put our best people in the, in the agency on this particular project. So many of them have their normal job responsibilities. Those are now being filled either by temporary employees or being backfilled by existing staff to take on that burden while they go about executing what is a very complex and a very um, consequential and important law. And I, so I can't understate the importance of having the appropriation to be able to execute it in the way that we're doing. I think, no, that, and, and that point needs to be reinforced, which is that the department is here with limited resources trying to bring 
huge, huge statutory framework like Wayfair Online. And so obviously they need the resources to be able to accomplish that. And, you know, we've talked a little bit on, offline about just how much time and dedication the department and its staff have dedicated to this. And so my hat's off to you guys, because I know that we have some deadlines that are rapidly approaching, which we'll talk about more uh, shortly here. But the, the piece that really has my head spinning is the wizard. It makes me uh, think it's almost like the Ask Jeeves of the Department of Revenue. And, and the wizard helps you identify which license type is best for you based on what sort of business activity you presently have in the state. So the wizard sounds very, very helpful. So we'll get to the dates in just a moment. I thought it would be worth asking, what's been the most difficult element to implement to date? I'm sure there's one that has probably given you some serious headaches. Yes, and it'll continue to be an ongoing one, but it's, but it's also a good one to have. The challenge of communicating this major change. Having this podcast is one way of going about addressing it, but it is a huge education effort. First, it's an education effort internally at the department. We have to figure out how do we operationalize and implement this law. Many processes at the department that previously existed with respect to uh, whether, whether or not you're taxable in Arizona, the rules have now changed in developing specificity around how do you become or how do you trigger economic nexus? So that's so the first place is internal communication. Then it's figuring out how do we educate and, and really reach people that either have an obligation that are located out of the outside the state and now have an obligation to file beginning on October one, making sure that they're aware. So it's taken a lot of work to be able to through third party research identify them and develop and tailor a message to explain to them, yes, Arizona has a law in the books. You may, depending on what you read through this letter, have an obligation to report to the state. Another responsibility is just making the general public aware in a couple of respects. In a few months from now, they may see some of the um, sellers that they're accustomed to buying to, buying from tax-free, they will now see tax being charged. So that's another education effort that this is this Absolutely. is coming. Another piece of it, and I think where the society can be of great, great help is that there are Arizona-based businesses that may have reporting obligations in other states now as they as those other states have gone about passing their own Wayfair legislation and created thresholds for remote sellers and marketplace facilitators. That's another aspect of the department's outreach efforts is how do we talk to as part of our existing education outreach efforts to preparers, CPAs, and small and medium-sized businesses in Arizona that sell not just in the state and have a tax license with us, but they may need a tax license in Colorado, Texas, California, wherever they also uh, do a significant amount of work. So though I would say communication has been the most difficult and most important element of, of implementation to date and will continue to be so. So one of the most difficult parts is arguably the most important part. So, um, well, let me ask you another question before we get into some of the deadlines and dates that folks uh, should be aware of. But this is, there are a lot of new concepts, a lot of new ways of doing business under the Wayfair structure. So can you talk about some of the relief that's available to businesses who may make mistakes as they're trying to navigate this new structure? The law requires collection 
and remittance beginning October 1, or that period beginning October 1. The legislation specifically provides what's called liability relief, and there's a few instances where liability relief can be granted. One would be, and this is specifically with respect to a marketplace facilitator, when they've received, received incorrect information from the seller, maybe it's the type of product or any other salient information that would be needed to make a taxability decision. That's, that's one area of relief. Secondly, the legislation provides for also really as a catch-all provision for any other errors that may occur other than sourcing of the transaction. Where is the, where is the sourcing located? And the sourcing with respect to remote sales and marketplace facilitators is the billing address of the actual customer. Uh, for these instances, other than sourcing, the liability relief uh, calendar year 2019 is up to 5% of the total tax that was due for calendar year 2020, it's up to 3% of the total tax that was due. And for calendar year 2021, it is 1%. And then for periods after 2021, there is no liability relief for all these other instances except sourcing, which is never available for liability relief. And the other thing to add is that providing incorrect information the marketplace facilitator receives incorrect information from the marketplace seller, liability relief is always available. So it sounds to me, for the most part, that if you haven't got it figured out by 2021, then you're in trouble. <laughs> you certainly, by 2021, the, the expectation is you've gotten accustomed to working with, working with the state of Arizona, certainly we would expect by then you've had good relationships or developed good relationships with your marketplace sellers such that you know exactly what you're getting. It provides that time to configure accounting systems, configure tax systems, work with the, work with the CPA to make sure that everything is, is lined up appropriately because the margin of error um, has increased significantly. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and now we've touched on a few of these dates in our discussion, but I think it's important to sort of lay them out um, for our listeners. And so what are the major sort of implementation dates that listeners should be aware of? Yeah, no, that's, that's perhaps one of the most important questions that one can ask. And so as a starting point, the law requires that tax collection for remote sellers and marketplace facilitators begin on October 1, 2019. So everything is geared around that. We would expect remote sellers and marketplace facilitators to begin collecting tax for the state at that, at that time. Leading up to that date, there are several things that are happening. So the letters that I spoke about earlier, those as we speak are going out to remote sellers and marketplace facilitators across the nation that we may think have, have an obligation. On the 28th of August, the department expects to launch its website that has pages for remote sellers and marketplace facilitators, providing as much information as possible from, like I said earlier, from definitions, to frequently asked questions, to very explicit filing instructions. How do you deal with city transactions versus state transactions? 
and it provides very specific information even about the, the coding of those transactions. So as many of your listeners know, typical retail transaction for Arizona is under business code 017. For sales that are conducted by remote sellers or marketplace facilitators, we've created a new business code specifically for them. That is 605, which you do have to have some fun in this business. We've designated or came up with 605 because that is the area code for the entire state of South Dakota in honor <laughs> of South Dakota's participation in the Supreme Court decision of, of, Way, of Wayfair. So I love that. That's, so the instructions with respect to how they're shown on the website will be available on the 28th of August. We are targeting September 9th as the date that registration for remote sellers, marketplace facilitators will occur. IT is working diligently on making sure that that date occurs. Everything that we've seen in the testing thus far seems like it will be a success. So again, September 9th is when we're looking to open our registration system. Our website will make that, that announcement. So if you've not signed up with the department for its what we call gov delivery, so when you go to the department's website, azdor.gov, beginning on the 28th of August, you'll see a banner on the very front page that very clear, out-of-state sellers, marketplace facilitators, click here and it will take you all to all the dedicated pages. But also typically, even before the 28th of August, when you log on to the department's website, you typically get prompted or asked if you want to sign up for department, department news that will be delivered straight to your inbox. I would highly suggest signing up if you haven't already, because you also get the option of signing up for making subscriptions of different topics that you're interested in, from income tax to transaction privilege tax. We've added one specifically for remote seller marketplace facilitator legislation that's available already so even before we put the website out there you can sign up for news and announcements so as we make further announcements down the line you will be the first to know that's amazing so i mean it's pretty clear that the entire team at the department of revenue has been very very busy and so just to play that back uh, for our listeners it sounds to me like letters uh, should be going out now um, as of august 28th the Department of Revenue's revamped website will include uh, FAQs, information, basically a link dedicated explicitly for uh, the Wayfair piece for remote sellers. And on September 9th, uh, registration as a remote seller effectively opens. And by October 1, that is when your obligations as a remote seller kick in. Is that pretty fair playback? Yep, that is a pretty fair playback. The only thing I would add to that is when the time registration opens, we will also have a dedicated team, both in terms of a dedicated telephone number and a dedicated email address for remote sellers, marketplace facilitators, or even businesses or anyone else in the state of Arizona that's interested uh, to ask very specific questions to the department about implementation of this, of this law. So, Telephone number will be 833-AZE-SALE. <laughs> That's amazing. We wanted to have very explicit and a dedicated phone line for anyone that has questions about this topic. 
in terms of the email address, it is azesale at azdor.gov. We've called this team the e-commerce compliance and outreach team, the ECHO team. <laughs> they're designed specifically or put in place and they're subject matter experts throughout the department that can handle all manners of questions with respect to Wayfair. So the main questions that we would expect to receive are one, if you've received a letter from the department, you're an out-of-state remote seller or marketplace facilitator, how do I get, I've received a letter, how do I get started with the department? That would be one area of expertise. The second area of expertise would be uh, for legal questions about what economic nexuses, these $100,000 thresholds versus what is the physical, what is physical nexus in Arizona to make sure people understand under what regime do they need to license. If you have a if you have physical presence in Arizona, you're going to have to license as you traditionally would from a TPT standpoint. But if you lack physical presence and meet these economic nexus thresholds, then you license and license separately. So we have legal staff available to answer some of these, these pressing questions. Third would be assistance with licensing itself. I'm having trouble getting signed up on aztaxes.gov or anything else related to just getting set up with the department. And then finally, why we found creating this ECHO team to be so important is we know that there are many Arizona businesses, particularly small and medium-sized businesses, and CPAs and other, and other preparers that are looking at their own activities and saying, well, I may meet the thresholds in Utah, Colorado, somewhere around the nation, what are those requirements in other states? We have dedicated staff that can help point them to the laws of those states, the registration requirements, the thresholds, and just provide as much assistance as we can in making them aware of these obligations in other states because we want to be as responsive to remote sellers and marketplace facilitators that will be filing with us for the first time when that, when that October 1 period kicks in, as we are to Arizona-based sellers who now, if they're selling out outside the state, they may have obligations to do, to do the very same thing. So we're very sensitive to that and want to be able to assist any type of business that we can. Yeah, that's amazing. Between the wizard and the Echo crew, I mean, it sounds like people will have resources to get their questions answered. So I just want to repeat that one more time for our listeners. If you haven't been to the Department of Revenue's website recently, you should. They had a bit of a facelift. Uh, and as of the 28th, that uh, recently revamped website will include direct link with FAQ and all the information you'll need with respect to Wayfair. Again, the phone number for Wayfair-related questions, 833-AZ-E-SALE. And if you'd like to send an email, again, that email address, azesale at azdor.gov. And so on behalf of Domena Public Affairs and on behalf of the Society of CPAs, just want to thank you and your team for all of your ongoing efforts. We know this has been and continues to be a very heavy lift. Um, and with that, is there anything else you'd like to add? I want to thank the Society for all its work in making Arizona's tax laws as clear as, as, clear as they possibly can be for assisting with the department obtaining resources over the years and just assisting us in our efforts to make Arizona's tax laws as technically sound and as administratively feasible as possible. Excellent. Thank you again, Dr. All right. Absolutely.